Modern life. Between careers, kids, and health, it can be mayhem. That's why we're here. I'm Dr. Lisa Varghese-Kroll. And I'm Dr. Lonre Falusi. We're physicians, moms, and longtime friends who break it all down for you. Wondering how to juggle all the balls and still stay sane? Looking for advice but don't want to be overwhelmed? Curious about how to make the most out of life for your family but enjoy it at the same time? You're in the right place. Welcome to Health and Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. On this episode, our finale for season three, we're talking about the gun violence epidemic in the United States. We are all angry, frustrated, and devastated by the recent mass shootings. But how do we turn our grief into action? In our discussions with friends and family, in politics, and in our decisions about organizations to support. We provide our thoughts, evidence from research, and lots of practical tips that we can all take to get us closer to ending this violent epidemic. Hey, Lon. Hey, Elise. Well, we've been talking about how these past couple of weeks have affected us. Right. I mean, we're all trying to process some of these recent mass shootings here in the U.S., three of which were motivated by racism and hate, one in a grocery store in a majority black community in Buffalo, another in a nail salon in Koreatown in Dallas, and another in a Taiwanese church in Santa Ana, California. And so tragically, 19 children and two teachers killed at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. And these are just a handful of examples. Uh, You know, in recent years, an average of 40,000 people Mm. per year have died due to gun violence in the U.S. That's one person every 13 minutes. It's hard to believe, right? And it's hard to believe that we would just accept that if it was from any other cause. Um, The U.S. has by far a higher rate of gun homicides per capita, four times the rate in the number two country, which is Chile. There are more guns than people in the United States, 120 guns for every 100 people. That statistic startles me every time I hear it. We have more guns than human beings in the United States of America. I mean, all of this, I just, especially with the shooting at the elementary school, just fills me with like deep, deep sadness. Mm -hmm. I know you too, like we've had lots of tears, Uh so much anger, like so furious at the, you know, what we're hearing mm-hmm. about what happened at the on the ground. I know, mm-hmm. you know, the news is still evolving, but it sounds like a lack of response or a slow response for these innocent children and the teachers in the school. And, you know, and if we are worried about or concerned about the slow response on the ground, I mean, the slow response in policy has been maddening over the last right. now, like couple of decades. Glacial. It's been unreal. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, now we fear even more for our own kids, Mm -hmm. right? With three kids and, you know, one's going to school and, and, you know, like just dropping them off and, I mean, praying for the best. Like, Mm -hmm. it just, you don't really know how to best protect your kids. And it's so insane that this is what we have to think about to protect our kids against at the same time, like, I think we try to be optimists, you know, how do we focus on the future and, you know, trying to like think about what can continue to bring hope and where our role is and making that change that we want to see so badly. But it's, it is hard. I mean, this, this one, and I don't know if it's just a compilation of 
shooting after shooting after shooting. Like mm-hmm. it's this last couple of weeks has been harder than any other like mass shootings that I feel like we've experienced. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I just thinking about the suffering of each victim and their surviving family members, it's it's unbearable. And mm-hmm. it's it's also a horrendous feeling to fear for our own safety and our loved one's safety. And worst of all, our children's safety on a daily basis and to know that we are not being paranoid, mm-hmm. you know, that that fear is entirely legitimate and it's entirely unnecessary. Um, you know, as someone who grew up outside the U.S., I feel especially angry because I know that no one else around the world lives like this on right. constant high alert for the next mm-hmm. unimaginable yet completely preventable tragedy. You know, and I'm mm-hmm. so upset that somehow the right to bear arms is more important than our right to live. Exactly. And there's this feeling of collective grief in the country right now. Mm. And, you know, we really want to honor and mourn those who lost their lives so violently and so unnecessarily in these shootings. And we want to do our part to stop this horrific epidemic of gun violence in this country. That's right. You know, in response to these latest tragedies, we actually pulled our previously scheduled season finale because this topic is so important to us. Mm -hmm. And if you're wondering how... You know, we, a physiatrist and a pediatrician, became so passionate about this. We want to state emphatically that as physicians, as mothers, as human beings, this is our lane. And we feel that it's our responsibility to speak out about anything that impacts health, just as we've done with COVID, right? And this latest school shooting in particular, yet another massacre of children where they should have felt safe to learn, It's moved us to prioritize the topic for this, our final episode of season three, which is being released on June 3rd, the first Friday in June, which is National Gun Violence Awareness Day. Exactly. So this episode will focus on certainly our sadness and anger (laughs) and on specific things that you can do today to combat this. You know, what you can do to support the kids in your life, how to influence people within your own circle of family and friends what you can do at the ballot box and how you can support organizations that are working to stop gun violence in the United States. Right. Our goal is to share a whole bunch of practical tips. And the data that we're sharing are from credible sources, including Everytown for Gun Safety, the CDC, and scientific articles published in the New England Journal of Medicine and other journals. All right. So let's start with how you can support the kids in your life. So first, think about all the homes in the U.S. where children live. Okay, so here's a startling statistic. Firearms are the leading cause of death for American children and teens between age one to 19. The leading cause, not car accidents, not medical illness, not cancer, but firearm related injury. It's unbelievable. And so entirely preventable. So -hmm. here's another statistic. One out of every three homes with kids in the U.S. has a gun. So one out of every three homes that has children has a gun. Wow. And many of those guns are kept loaded or unlocked, which makes them easy for kids to find. And in fact, four and a half million children in the U.S. live with a loaded, unlocked gun. Oh, that's horrifying. Right, right. If you think a gun in a cabinet will be difficult even for a toddler to find, you know, think again. So the countless times a child has accidentally shot a gun they found in the home. Did you ever hear a parent say on the news? Oh, yeah. You know, I totally figured my little one would find my gun and pull the trigger. (laughs) No, of course not. 
right? It's always like, oh, I had no idea right. they even knew we had a gun, or I had no idea they knew where it was. Kids are curious, and they find out ways to get what they want, right? You know, whether it's that toddler who gets into everything, or the teenager who's having suicidal thoughts. So if you own a gun, it's critical to teach your kids, especially the young ones, not to ever touch a gun if they see one. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing you can do right now is to take the bullets out, store those separately and locked, and store the gun unloaded and locked. That alone could literally save lives. Absolutely. And now back to that statistic of one third of all homes in the U.S. with children containing a gun. That means that it's possible that a home where your kids may go to for a play date or party may contain an unsecured gun. So we encourage you to start asking the parent or guardian where your child is going. Is there an unlocked gun in your home where my child will play? Or for your teen who's taking their first babysitting job, is there an unlocked gun in your home where my teen will be babysitting? If you're concerned that the other parent will be defensive, you can consider prefacing it with something like, well, you know, kids are curious and our pediatrician encourages us to ask, or with all the reports of shootings these days, including accidental shootings. And if their answer is yes, that there is an unlocked gun in the home, think twice about sending your child there. Or if you're comfortable doing so, ask if they'd be willing to keep the gun locked and unloaded away while your child is there. The ASK campaign, which stands for Asking Saves Kids, has even more ideas about how to ask these questions and what to do if the answer is, yes, we do own a gun that isn't kept secure. So we'll link to their website in our show notes at HippocraticHost.com. So let's talk about how to talk to your children or not talk to them about school shootings. As with everything else, what you do with your kids depends on their age, right? So for young children, like preschool or early elementary school, it's actually better to keep them away from media about gun violence, especially school shootings. You know, they may ask about something they hear at school or somewhere else, um, or they may see that you're upset and might ask you why. If so, for this young age, answer honestly, but briefly, and really focus on what people are trying to do to make things better. So you could say something like, you know, someone hurt a group of people in a town that's far from here. I feel really sad about it, but there are people working to stop this from happening again. And I know, like Lisa and I both have kids, and as these gun violence massacres happen more and more often, and we lose more and more children to this, I know that that's really hard to say, to Mm -hmm. try to sound optimistic in front of your kids. But just remember, developmentally, for like young children, they can't fully process these sorts of issues and... It, part of our role is to, again, at this age, kind of protect them from the full like influx of this news. Mm-hmm. Older kids and teens, they can handle a little bit more. But even at this age, avoid like unfiltered news, right? Mm-hmm. The American Academy of Pediatrics on their website, healthychildren.org, shares a great idea. One thing you can do is actually record a segment of the news about the issue so that you're aware of what they're discussing and what images they're showing. You can avoid graphic images or other things that your child maybe developmentally or personality-wise may not be ready for. And then watch the recorded piece with your child, pausing to ask or answer any questions along the way. Now, we can only keep our kids in a bubble for only so long. So this Mm -hmm. might be a way to introduce these difficult conversations, but in a more controlled way. 
Right. And we totally sympathize as parents that, you know, we want to keep our kids in this bubble forever. And it's deeply unfair that we can't. Um, but these are some strategies that we can use living in this current reality. So we'll link to resources from the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry in our show notes at HippocraticCoast.com. And these are not just for parents and doctors, but they're also for teachers and anyone looking for ways to support kids and teens through these horrors. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on to how to talk to friends and family um, mm-hmm. about these issues. And what we really want to do is help you bust some myths that you might hear. Um, so hopefully some of these talking points will help you. Now, this is really a list of our arguments based on the evidence that's out there. And we want this to be useful as you talk to people around you. So we're sharing this information so that you'll be ready to talk to people in your life who support pro-gun policies and pro-gun candidates. And hopefully you can share this with those who support common sense gun laws which we want to point out includes the majority of gun owners and people may just need some facts and some talking points. So here we go. Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, our first topic is mental health. People love to bring this up after every mass shooting. So first of all, most mass shootings are not committed by people with diagnosed mental health disorders. But, you know, for people who proclaim, well, we need better mental health care. You won't hear any argument from Lonray and I. As physicians, we know the desperate level of need in this area. American insurance companies regularly refuse to cover mental health care, and politicians regularly cut funding to mental health programs. By all means, campaign and force these people to do the right thing. But don't forget that mental illness is a problem worldwide, but mass shootings are only a problem in America. Mm -hmm. So mental illness is not what's causing our gun violence. Mm Mm-hmm. The next thing to remember is that having everyone armed leads to road rage deaths and other deaths due to impulsivity because you only have a split second to decide whether to pull the trigger. You simply cannot depend on every single human being to maintain 100% control of their temper 100% of the time. And if people really believe that mental health rather than guns is the root of this issue, then why are so many politicians eliminating laws that require waiting periods and background checks or uh, gun show loopholes, which would decrease the chance of a mentally unstable person getting their hands on a gun? This is a sign that even politicians who claim that they believe that gun violence is solely caused by mental health really don't think so. And if we're so concerned about mental health, then remember this fact. 60% of gun deaths are actually due to suicide. Having access to a gun triples the risk of suicide by gun. If we truly are concerned about the mental health crisis, which we should be, then let's limit access to the tools that make suicide and homicide so tragically efficient. Right? I mean, it's it's such like a false argument to say that we should only focus on mental health. Right? right? It's, you know, as if we can't like walk and chew gum at the same time. (laughs) Right, We can improve the mental health, the state of mental health in the United States while also addressing the issue of the weapons that are used in these homicides and suicides. Agreed completely. So the next talking point, the next argument um, you might hear is that, you know, lots of countries have guns and the United States is just one of them. We're not the only country with guns. But here's the thing. No other country on Earth experiences this level of mass shootings because no other country on Earth refuses to limit guns. When people try to obfuscate and say that the real reason America has this problem is poor mental health or broken homes or recently too many doors in buildings. Oh, my gosh. Every other country on Earth has all these problems as well. 
But here's the difference. They don't have as many guns. So they don't have nearly as many mass shootings. The right. UK, isn't that right? I mean, yeah, the UK absolutely. and Australia both had mass shootings in the late 20th century. They banned guns immediately after. And their people have not had to fear a mass shooting since. You know, only Americans believe in gun ownership as a right. No one else in the world believes this. Doesn't it seem odd that there would be a human right applicable to only one country? Yes. It doesn't make any sense, right? So, and people who live outside of the United States, even for a short period of time, realize the detoxification from brainwashing that occurs. Mm -hmm. You know, sadly, Americans have been told a horrible lie about guns and convinced to sell it to others. Right. So, you know, you might also hear, too, that, you know, countries with gun control still have shootings, but they have far fewer of them. That's the difference, right? It's not all or nothing. And we mentioned earlier that the U.S. gun homicide rate is four times the rate of the number two ranked country. Compared to other high-income countries, the U.S. gun rate is 26 times higher, right? So you have to look at the difference and not just say, you know, oh, we would still have mass shootings or we still have shootings even with gun control. Exactly. The point is to improve the problem, even if it can't be eliminated completely, which leads us into our next talking point. You may may hear people saying there is no point to having anti-gun laws. You may hear people saying, you know, crazy people will find a way to kill anyway. But the fact is that often a single barrier is all that's needed to prevent a behavior. In Malcolm Gladwell's latest book, Talking to Strangers, he has an interesting example. He talks about how when there was a British epidemic in the first half of the 20th century of people killing themselves by placing their heads in their stoves, as in fact, Sylvia Plath did, the UK phased out lethal town gas. That's what it was called. They phased it out in the 60s and 70s and suicides dramatically decreased. It's not because people were suddenly less suicidal. It's because an easy means was removed. And such common sense. It's, it's okay. such common sense because when you want to do something impulsive, if there's some barrier to it, that's usually enough to prevent you from doing that thing. And to anyone saying that gun control laws will only affect law abiding citizens, if you think that bad guys will just break the law anyway, why have any laws at all? Because laws work, they're a deterrent. Murders occur every day. But I think most people would agree that just making murder legal would be insane. That's because hurdles need to be in place to keep people safe. As for all the guns already out there in circulation, other countries have successfully instituted government buybacks, where the government gives cash for every gun turned in, and they give amnesty for illegal guns that are turned in. You know, most violent criminals are not exactly flush with cash, so a few hundred dollars can be a significant motivation, and the number of guns already in circulation can be addressed effectively with these measures. And also, both the Buffalo and the Uvalde shooters bought their guns within the last month. So these weren't just old guns lying around that they found. Exactly, They were new ones that they went out to get. And although the rest of the world finds this incredibly difficult to believe, the vast majority of American shootings are done with legally obtained guns. So changing the laws would be likely to make a big difference. The small possibility that it wouldn't make a difference is not an excuse not to try. Exactly. Right? And you'll also hear people saying, well, areas in the U.S. that have stricter gun laws still have shootings. You know why that is? Because guns from places with lax laws can easily be brought into states and cities with strong laws. We have free travel over th- between states in this country. That means you need strong federal laws. A great analogy, 
It doesn't matter how well you raked your own lawn. If your neighbor uses a leaf blower, you'll still have leaves in your yard. Mm-hmm. And in our show notes at HippocraticHost.com, we'll link to a research study conducted by physicians showing that states with stricter firearm legislation, specifically legislation regarding universal background checks for firearms, had lower firearm-related mortality rates in children. Exactly. See, laws do work. Absolutely. So the next thing you might hear, or we often hear, right, is people saying, guns don't kill people, people kill people. (sighs) Right. (laughs) And, you know, so if you say, you know, why not ban knives in swimming pools since they can kill people too? Because knives in swimming pools have other purposes. If they're misused, they can kill. The only purpose of a gun is to maim or kill. They end a human life when they're used correctly. Exactly. So also, guns kill much more efficiently than knives or candlesticks. And gun owners know this. That's why they want them, right? So otherwise, they'd be happy with, you know, an arsenal of candlesticks. (laughs) (laughs) And and yet, you know, people try to argue out of both sides of their mouths by saying guns are just as dangerous as candlesticks. Well, why not arm yourself with those then? I mean, the... 2012 school attack in China was done with a knife and only one person died, which is tragic in and of itself. But it was one person Mm -hmm. compared to the 21 that we just saw killed in a school here in the United States. It's not a coincidence. Right. So we'll link to that um, that story in the in our show notes on our website. So, you know, if guns don't kill and people do, then try this. Stop letting people have so much access to so many high power guns. So you know, think about it, right? So, you know, you know that guns are banned in Congress and guns are banned at Trump rallies. <laughs> why? Why is that if they're so safe? Right. Why don't right wing politicians want themselves to be in a group of armed people? Because they know that guns are what kill people. Right. People holding the gun without <laughs> the gun. They would be safer. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's like mind-blowing how simple this is and yet we still have to say it out loud exactly i find it very interesting that these same politicians don't want themselves to be in a group of armed people but they have zero problem putting you me or our children in those same groups of armed people what does that say so another argument that you'll often hear is that the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun Yeah, so that's clearly not true. Because the thing about assault weapons is that law enforcement often can't outshoot them. So what's the point of having armed security guards everywhere when gunmen can just eliminate them with a single trigger pull? This effectively counters that good guy with a gun argument. Mm -hmm. Many police departments can't compete with the arsenals that these gunmen collect from the internet and gun shows. It's not that the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is making sure he never gets one. There's no way to tell who's a bad guy and who's a good guy. And as we saw in Buffalo and Uvalde, the bad guy simply eliminated the good guy. The safest thing is for the bad guy to have no access to guns and the good guy to have no need for them. And related to that, law enforcement should be the primary supporters of gun control. Mm -hmm. Having a randomly armed populace makes the job of police so much harder. Mm -hmm. And the retiring police chief in Atlanta just said exactly that. Right, right. So speaking of of law enforcement and freedoms, that's another argument that you hear around like the Constitution and how we have the right to bear arms with the Constitution. But why should the freedom to own guns be more important than the freedom to go to school safely or to go to the grocery store without being murdered. 
you know, as they say, your right to swing your fist ends at the tip of my nose. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And we don't even have complete freedom as it is. And we live with that. We're okay with that. You have to have a license to drive. You can't own a howitzer cannon. You can't run naked in the streets. You know, these are things to protect ourselves and others. So why should lethal weapons be the only things that don't have laws around them to protect others? Right. So here's the thing. When the Second Amendment was written in 1791, I say that again, in 1791. Oh, my gosh. I think we all know that the founding fathers absolutely did not have and could not have had our current landscape in mind. Right. They would have been horrified that we're allowing our own innocent children to be slaughtered on a daily basis. Yes. I mean, the biggest gun at that time shot two to three bullets a minute. AR-15s, on the other hand, shoot 20 to 45 bullets a minute Ugh. and cause so much damage that human bodies, that human beings are obliterated. They can't even be identified by the next of kin. You may not be aware in something that Lisa and I learned that's just horrifying. After the Sandy Hook tragedy, parents weren't allowed to see their kids' mutilated bodies. Instead, the clothes of their children were washed and parents were asked to identify those. Can you imagine the utter agony? Oh, my God. What does that say? What does that say about this country as people, you know, if they allow parents to go through this? Yeah. Why does anyone need military-grade automatic weapons? And remember, the Second Amendment refers to a well-regulated militia, such as the National Guard, not every single random person. You know, the same founding fathers who wrote the Second Amendment actually banned guns at our alma mater, the University of Virginia. (laughs) You know, why would they have done that if they truly loved guns and wanted this unfettered access that we have today? Right. And we'll link to that article about our beloved UVA in our show notes. And the next set of arguments we often hear are religious arguments. There is a significant segment of the population that believes that Christianity goes hand in hand with gun ownership. So Laundry and I are both lifelong Christians who've studied Christianity in depth. And we feel very strongly that as Christians, being pro-life does not in any way solely refer to abortion. It means being pro-life in every way. It means being anti-gun. It means being pro-mask. During COVID, if you are not those things, then you're not pro-life. If you're okay with children being massacred, if it means that you can keep your guns, you're by definition not pro-life. Absolutely. Right? And the idea that I believe in guns because I'm a Christian. Again, we have both studied Christianity in depth. uh, And this belief is only true for American Republican Christians. Now, why? Why is it that this, quote, Christian perspective is not the same for Christians of any other nationality or political party. Do any of us honestly believe that the loving God who created every human being in his image is pro-gun, an item that was created only to destroy those very same precious people? I mean, if you care about unborn children, you must care at least as much about already born children. Uh, You know, Pope Francis has spoken out about guns in Christianity, and we'll link to that in our show notes at HippocraticCoast.com. But ultimately, if there's any chance that limiting guns would decrease deaths, and there's no way anyone can intelligently claim that it wouldn't save at least some lives, then anyone who wants to be Christ-like should be supporting gun control. What it comes down to is, do you love your neighbor more than you love your rights, your possessions? Did Christ not say that loving your neighbor was second only to loving God as the most important commandment? 
Supporting constant torture and death for innocent victims is the very opposite of love. The hypocrisy just kills me. It's absolutely heartbreaking. I know. And this next one really hurts. You know, this issue of using our children as collateral Mm -hmm. damage, of allowing our children to be used as collateral damage. So even if you love guns, why aren't children's lives more important? If you are not willing, right, if you're not willing to support gun control or gun reform, you are saying that all these mass murders are a price you are willing to pay in order to keep your guns. Just sit with that for a moment. Is that something that anyone is really willing to say? The deaths of our children are worth it to you? (sighs) If that doesn't sit right with you, then it's time to really join the fight Mm -hmm. towards better gun control and gun, gun violence reform. So, you know, what gives anyone really the right to sacrifice our children for these objects? Right. Who gets to make that decision? Right, right. So for like, for example, Lisa and I, we love chocolate. <laughs> We'd venture to argue, absolutely no kidding intended, that chocolate might be a bigger part of our daily lives than guns are for many gun owners. I'd feel comfortable making that assertion. I th- I think so. I think so. You know, and we'd hate the thought of living the rest of our lives without chocolate. But I promise you, if chocolate were being used to massacre others, we would give it up in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Without once looking back, right? You know, because allowing other people to die for something that we want to keep for ourselves would feel breathtakingly selfish and callous. Totally. And I've seen this this quote, and I know you've seen it too. You know, many thanks to the children who sacrifice their lives on a regular basis so adults can play with guns. Isn't that just brilliant and so incredibly sad? Hits the horrible nail on the head. Yeah, yeah. So, you know... To see gun control as just punishing gun owners instead of protecting innocent lives is a truly self-centered worldview. Completely agree. And, you know, another set of arguments that you'll hear is about schools and teachers. You know, why is it that the only thing that schools have been able to do uh, since these massacres began is to train kids to try to defend themselves from a shooter? Why are we asking children to stand up to armed gunmen? Why are we putting our children through the repeated trauma of every day having the very legitimate fear that they could be massacred? Why are we asking them to stand up to villains that even police are afraid to confront? Does anyone think that's fair to them or good for their mental health? What are we training our innocent children to grow up into? And Uvalde Public Schools already had a comprehensive security plan in place. It doesn't matter. What will closed doors and hiding under desks and one security guard do against an armed gunman in full Mm -hmm. body armor? You know, another thing to realize is that most recent gun massacres in this country included at least some victims who were themselves armed. It doesn't help. In the middle of mass chaos, you are not going to be able to find and accurately take down a single perpetrator. That's yeah. because the instigator always has the upper right. hand. Like, this isn't the movies. I think that's no. what people imagine, that the good guy with the gun, like, comes out of nowhere and has perfect exactly. aim and knows who the bad guy is and doesn't hit anyone else and doesn't get hit themselves. Even though those people are following a script and had 20 takes and have a director and four right. producers on set. That's exactly. not how it works when you're actually fearing for your life. And, you know, the people suggesting that teachers should be armed... 
at some point we need to call this what it is, which is insane. And the idea of arming teachers is opposed by teachers organizations and legal organizations for good reason. Mm -hmm. It will increase, not decrease risk. What happens when a kid grabs their teacher's gun or a teacher loses their patience or a teacher tries to shoot someone they think might be a threat but hits a child instead? Humans are humans. As we said earlier, they can't be trusted to have 100% control all the time, ourselves included. No one can. That's why other safeguards, such as not having lethal weapons lying around, need to be in place. And as an aside, asking teachers who are overworked and underpaid, especially after these past two years of COVID, to risk their lives and be vigilantes at the same time is the definition of unreasonable and insane. I just cannot imagine any teacher went into the field with the expectation that they would also have to be security guards and arm themselves against a potential intruder. It's just unbelievable. While also teaching our children who are traumatized themselves. It just doesn't make any sense at all. And where does it end, really? Then should we just arm cashiers? Should we arm doctors? You know, should we, right? Should we arm landscapers? There's really no end. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um, And to that point around self-defense, you know, you'll hear people say that, you know, guns are needed to protect themselves or to protect their home. Well, the thing is, you don't need a gun to protect yourself if guns are taken away from people who are using them to commit crimes, right? Right. If you feel like you need a gun because you feel like everyone else has a gun. So let's get to the root of the problem. You know, this conjures up the image of the, you know, nice law abiding citizen confronting an intruder in their home and thankfully having their trusty gun to protect their sleeping family. Except that's not how it usually works. You know, this idea of needing a gun for self-defense is not supported by the facts. Most quote unquote self-defense gun violence is between people who know each other, where the reality of who is defending and who is offending is not at all clear. You know, of all the self-defense handgun homicides in 1997, for example, according to the FBI supplementary homicide report, only 2.3% were ruled justifiable homicides by civilians, which means the other 97.7% turned out to be just plain homicides. Oh, my gosh. Right. So, you know, this tragic case in 2016 is a perfect example A mom posted a rambling statement on Facebook about Democrats wanting to take away her guns and her ability to defend herself. She then used those guns to murder her own two daughters in cold blood. And she did this on her residential street. So who thinks that if she had used a baseball bat or a knife, that she would have been successful at killing both girls before being stopped by someone. She wouldn't have. Right. Right. So their lives would have been saved if she didn't have access to her weapon of choice, which of course was a gun. Mm -hmm. So bottom line, a gun in the home is much more likely to hurt someone living in the home than it is to hurt an intruder. So let's turn now to what we can do when it comes to politics and the power of your vote. To that point, why is wanting to stop people from being murdered considered political I'm a proud political independent. I don't belong to either of the two major parties in the United States. And this issue is incredibly important to me. So it's not a party affiliation issue. If there were multiple car accidents at an intersection and people wanted that intersection to be made safer, would that be political? This knee-jerk response to wanting sensible gun measures is an example of gun lobby brainwashing. We're not even allowed to think of ways to decrease death without being shut down by anti-critical thinkers. First, call your elected representatives on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. 
Tell them that if they don't support gun control, your vote will go to someone else who will. And then recruit your friends and family who feel the same and have them do the same. So this is especially important for your senators. So last year, the House of Representatives passed at least two bills to expand background checks. For example, to require background checks for private gun sales, not just licensed gun dealers. But the Senate has not passed the bill because it requires 60 votes and none of the 50 Republican senators support these bills. So those unlicensed sellers at gun shows with acres and acres of guns for sale right now are still free to sell guns to people with felony convictions and people with domestic abuse restraining orders. And if that outrages you, donate to and campaign for those running against politicians who take NRA money and refuse to support common sense gun laws. Don't just focus on who's elected to Congress and the White House. While federal laws are important, we've actually seen more progress at the state level. Remember this? After the horrible Parkland high school shooting, the conservative Florida legislature passed a bipartisan bill increasing the legal age for gun purchase to 21 and increasing the mandatory waiting period before buying a gun. So bipartisan action is possible, especially at the state and local levels. So keep a close eye on those elections. That's just amazing. I mean, the the days of Anything being bipartisan feels so far oh, I know. away. Oh, I know. Um, but right on the local level, though, there is sometimes, you know, a little bit more action, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you may have more access, in fact, to your more local leaders. The designer and blogger Gabrielle Blair, who's known as Design Mom, so she suggests 10 laws that should be demanded. All of these are non-controversial when applied to something like cars. Mm-hmm. And guns are now more dangerous than cars. So why would we not want to at least get to the point where they're only as dangerous? <laughs> so here are her you know, 10 laws that she, that she suggests that sound, again, like common sense laws to us. So one, establish a true national background check for all gun sales with a fully funded complete database. Two, Take a harder look at who has the quote-unquote right to own a gun. Three, define what responsible gun ownership requires. Are there any mandates out there? And four, make gun owners responsible for whatever happens with their gun. That might make people more likely to lock them up or Mm -hmm. keep them unloaded. Five, make high-capacity weapons illegal. This is so important, again, when you think about how many bullets 20 to 45 bullets per minute that these high capacity weapons can emit number six require a two-month waiting period so again getting back to that point of impulsivity in the way that Mm -hmm. our human brains work it's hard to be impulsive when you're forced to wait two months to get that weapon of choice seven require firearm insurance we do that with car insurance Eight, require firearm registration. Again, you have to register your car. Number nine, enforce a lifetime ban on gun ownership for domestic violence convictions. And then lastly, remove access to guns for anyone being investigated for domestic violence while the case is ongoing. So, you know, all responsible gun owners who believe that guns should not be used to murder innocent citizens should support these laws. So when we talk about organizations to support, we also want to take a moment to talk about the NRA. We want to demystify their tactics and highlight the hypocrisy of both the NRA and the gun lobby. There is a deliberate campaign on their part to make us feel helpless. Do not fall for it. 
Don't give in to the inertia. When you do, you're giving the NRA what it wants. A heartless minority does not have the right to make the rest of us have to live in constant fear. We talked about background checks a minute ago. The majority of Americans, as high as 90% in some surveys, including gun owners, support universal background checks to keep everyone safer. It's a very simple measure. We're being hijacked by a powerful lobby who has handcuffed our elected officials into ignoring the will of the majority. How can any of us be okay with that? The NRA and gun manufacturers want mass shootings because mass shootings increase gun sales. There could be nothing more evil than that. And for that reason alone, responsible gun owners should withdraw their support from an organization like this. The NRA doesn't have the right to put us through this, and our politicians need to remember that they work for us. Exactly. And, you know, much like the tobacco industry in the 1960s, they have brainwashed the American public into ignoring the truth. Mm -hmm. And why do they do it? Again, for profits. This is wild to me. Mass shootings mean mass profits for them. Disgusting. You know, the deaths of human beings, right, makes money for gun manufacturers. And naturally, we can expect that kickbacks go to their tireless supporter, the NRA. So any group that is against background checks, that's against closing the gun show loophole, that would actually try to hold a rally in Newtown, Connecticut on the anniversary of that tragedy and a rally in Texas right after the Uvalde tragedy is completely immoral. And many people don't know two pretty shocking things about the NRA. One, that they fight to prevent the CDC from conducting research into gun violence. The NRA doesn't want scientists to conduct research. If they're so sure that guns don't kill, why are they afraid of looking into it? The second thing is that they fight to prevent doctors from discussing gun safety with their patients. They actually succeeded for a time in muzzling doctors in Florida, and we'll link to these stories in our show notes. Here's another thing to sit with for a moment. Rather than increasing gun safety, they want to legally gag doctors in order to prevent them from calling attention to the absence of gun safety. We find that pretty criminal and hypocritical. I mean, the NRA believes so strongly in the Second Amendment, but they don't believe at all in the First Amendment, the right to free speech. Why is that? Well, it's because, right? It's because they want to continue making Americans think that guns are wonderful and because they want to continue profiting from the deaths of those same Americans. Their desire for death is the only explanation for mind-boggling bills like one in Iowa that would allow children of all ages to own Mm. guns. And we'll link to that in our show notes as well. This is literally the kind of legislation that the NRA is supporting. Why? Because the amount of tragedy we have already isn't enough? We should all be outraged at their willingness to sacrifice us. The NRA has been hit with scandals and bankruptcy, so these days their power is more in the people who still fall for their mission and take that belief to the ballot box. That's what we're fighting. Responsible gun owners should stand up and renounce this organization, because if they don't, they're morally culpable as well. And what we really need is to make politicians fear every town Mm -hmm. more than they fear the NRA. Correct. So when we talk about causes to support, we encourage you to support every town, Moms Demand Action, the Brady Coalition, or the Trace, which is a nonprofit journalism outlet that's devoted to truthful gun related reporting. In many cases, becoming a regular monthly donor of a smaller amount is more helpful than occasionally donating larger amounts. So that way they can count on you for their annual budgets. 
And we'll link to each of these organizations in our show notes. And we really want to leave you with the message that you shouldn't allow anyone to make you feel hopeless. None of us should. We can turn the tide of gun violence in this country. There was a time when it seemed impossible that slavery would ever be outlawed. There was a time when it seemed impossible that women would ever get the vote. I mean, in our own lifetimes alone, I bet we can all think of examples of things we never thought would be legal or made illegal. Change is possible. And it's probable in a situation, right, where the majority of us deeply desire it. So today, we're not doing a physician mom life hack. We want you to pick one thing that you're going to do today. Will you call your representative, your senator, become a monthly donor to Every Town or Moms Demand Action or the Brady Coalition? Talk to your loved one who owns guns about the truth behind the myths of mental illness and guns? If you're listening to this episode on release day, June 3rd, that's the beginning of Every Town's Wear Orange Weekend to commemorate victims and demand common sense gun laws. Maybe you'll attend or volunteer at, a, at an event. Whatever you choose, don't stop fighting when the latest gun tragedy becomes last week's news. Exactly. Make it a point. Put it in your calendar if you have to, to do something every week until this nightmare is over. Do not let the gun lobby make you believe that it is normal to have to fear being shot at church while getting a gallon of milk while in third period math class. It is not normal. No one else on earth lives like we do. Why should we have to? So as you scroll through the smiling photos of those sweet little innocent victims of Uvalde and Sandy Hook and any of these other tragedies, We know you feel anguish at their suffering. Mm -hmm. I know we do, Mm -hmm. right? But people must be willing to sacrifice something to prevent other children and families from suffering like this. If someone else could sacrifice something to protect your children, wouldn't you want them to? That's a mic drop right there. We could just end it right there. You know, that's that's really sum- summing it up for us. So thank you so much for listening to our show. This finale for season three. We hope that you'll join us as we turn our grief into action. Please find us on social media to continue the discussion there. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. And the links are on our website at HippocraticHost.com. We'd also love you to subscribe and review us in Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend about the podcast and share this episode as part of your advocacy to stop the senseless killing of innocent people. Absolutely. And, you know, we look forward to being back with you all with season four in September. Thanks, everyone. Sending thoughts and prayers to all the victims of gun violence, survivors and their families while advocating for policies Mm -hmm. and change in their honor. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Health at Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. Remember that all views expressed here are our own, not our employers, and all content is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice nor the establishment of a doctor-patient relationship. Always consult your own physician or healthcare team for any medical issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check out our website at www.hippocratichosts.com for show notes on this and all our episodes. Can't wait to chat with you next time.